If you pray with me. God, this is my family. These people are my fathers, my mothers, my brothers, my sisters. And they need a big God, Lord. So we ask today that you would delight yourself in our gathering together. And we beg of you, be present in this place. We want to give you our souls. We want to give you our hearts. We want to give you our minds. We want to give you our hands. We want to give you all that we are. Delight yourself in us today, Lord. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Fifteen months ago, <clears throat> pardon me, I found myself lying on the floor in a friend's bedroom making plans in my heart to die. It was Thanksgiving Day, and while my wife and our friends ate and played games, I lay on the floor, shivering. Not from cold, but from a tormented heart and mind. The adversary of our souls had convinced me that I was without hope in the world. I believe this morning that I'm not the only one that has felt this way, nor will I be the last. And maybe someone here today feels like I did, without hope in the world. There's a similarly tormented soul in the Bibles, and if you have your Bible with you today, I'd like you to turn to Psalm 42. In Psalm 42, the psalmist cries out, like a deer pants for water, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts. My soul thirsts for the living God. I should have probably opened to the text myself. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before my God? My tears have been my food day and night. And constantly they say to me, Where is your God? And then I remember. I remember joining the throng, and I remember leading them in procession. I remember shouting with joy and singing with praise. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. He is my salvation and my God. Psalm 42, as you can tell, is a prayer. But it's so much more than a prayer. It's a lament. 
It's a loud anguishing of a wretch's soul. And he's calling to God and he's saying, God, where is my God? Psalm 42 speaks for someone who longs to be in the presence of God, but is unable to find themselves able to do so. The text does not provide an implicit reason why. And I'm sure for us as we sit here today, I'm not sure that that matters. What does matter is that the psalm is a prayer that reflects the real struggles and longings of our own souls. And I believe that it stands as the raw material for a prayer that might be used in our own lives in the lives of ordinary people. Verse 1 reads, As a deer pants for living streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. A friend of mine called me yesterday morning and uh, we made some small talk and, and uh, she's like, So Adam, like, wow, you're, you're preaching tomorrow. I was like, I am. I shouldn't be on the phone. I'm preaching tomorrow. He's like, what is your text? And I said, Psalm 42. He's like, oh. I could hear delight in his voice. Like he had discovered something. He's like, do you know what that, do you know what that means for a deer to pant for water? I was like, well, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. And he said, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you what it means. But first I should tell you about this friend that phoned. His name is TJ. And TJ owns more guns than I do commentaries. He's got dozens and dozens and dozens of guns. Some people invest in IRAs. He invests in guns. The culmination of TJ's year is to get his full quota of ducks. He shoots 500 ducks every year. His idea of fun is to pack horses in a trailer and travel 12 hours to the, to the uh, Colorado Rockies, put his gear on the horses and pack two and a half days into the wilderness and camp and shoot stuff. And then he'll grab what he's got and pack it on the horses and come back out. TJ says to me, Adam, do you know what it means for a deer to pant? I said, tell me, TJ. I need to know. He said, well, I've maybe seen four or five deer pants in my life. And TJ shoots a lot of deer. He said, you have to run a deer ragged for a deer to pant. Deers don't pant on a hot day. Deers pant when there's an adversary chasing them through ravines, through rivers, when they're running for their lives. The text this morning is a metaphor for a man's heart. His soul is panting like a deer. He's running for his life. Like a deer pants for water. So pants my soul for you, O God. Now, can the psalmist physically take hold of God and quench his thirst? It's unlikely. For if he could, I would say, grab your bags, 
grab your keys. If you got children, get them. We're going. But the psalmist can't. He cannot physically take a hold of God. But the psalmist is unable to, although the psalmist is unable to physically take a hold of God, he's still trying to communicate something. What is he trying to take a hold of? This soul that is tormented. God, where is my God? The psalmist says that his soul pants for God. Our soul is our whole person. What we think and what we feel. The psalmist tells us that his whole person is consumed with thoughts of being in God's presence. Now you may be sitting here today, and the minute I started talking about deer and panting and souls, you started to check out. Don't. You might miss one of the most important things that you will ever hear. How do I know this? Because without a shadow of a doubt, I can tell you that everyone here is longing for something. Maybe you're longing for good sex. Lots of it. The more the better. Maybe you want a baby. You want a baby really bad and the Lord hasn't given you one. Maybe you want a husband. Maybe you want a husband that loves the Lord. the next job promotion, to finish school, to be young again, to have a body that does not suffer with pain all day. These things dominate our thoughts and our lives. And we're always comparing ourselves to others to find out whether we are content or not. Well, we're not. We are always longing for something, and when we get it, we want more of it. Or we want something entirely different. In verse 2, the psalmist says, my, my soul thirsts. My soul thirsts for a living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Restated, the psalmist is saying, God is alive. And my whole being desires to be satisfied by Him. So when will He show me His face? In keeping with His all-consuming desire... To be in God's presence, the psalmist repeats the cry of his own soul. But this time he makes a point of declaring that God is alive. His decision to say something about the fact that God is alive is critical to quenching the thirst of his soul. His thirst for the living God tells us that a dead God will not meet the desires of his soul. The greatest sin of the psalmist's day remains the greatest sin of our own day, and that is idolatry. We take dead things without personality or voice, and we give them our hearts. We think about them day and night, a new iPhone or a new investment property. We take created things, and we believe that they are the most important things in the world, and we worship them. Things like the desire to be married, having children. And we believe that these things will satisfy our consuming souls. We worship dead gods. 
We take our schedules and our money and our retirements, and in our pride, we worship them. We give them our hearts. The psalmist says, when will he show me his face? Actually, I'm sure he didn't say it that way. I'm sure he said, when will God show me his face? To appear before God is to see his face. The psalmist tells us God inhabits time and space and that he can be found. All the psalmist can think about is being in God's presence. In verse 3, the psalmist says, My tears have been my food day and night. And they continually say to me, Where is your God? Restated, we might understand verse 3 this way, While I suffer day and night, my enemies see the trouble I'm in, and they keep on asking me why my God is not helping me. In all of its occurrences in the Old Testament, the question, where is your God, is another way of saying to a person, you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble and there's no one to help you. People who worship dead gods say, where is your God? People that do not know Jesus, that walk down this street, ask, where is your God? The psalmist is suffering. He's laboring. His soul is in anguish. He's panting with desire to be in the living God's presence, despairing for what he has, and he has no idea when he's going to find it. And furthermore, he's in big trouble, surrounded by his enemies. His response is to cry until he finds that the only thing, that only thing which will quench his thirst. And so where is God? The psalmist has no answer. But does he? The psalmist has said, Like a deer, my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. My tears have been my food day and night, and my enemies are continually asking, where is your God? Then comes verse 4. And then I remember. I remember joining the throng, and I remember leading them in procession, and I remember shouting joyful noises, and I remember singing praise. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. A restatement of verse 4 is, I believe, the psalmist is emptying out all that he is inside before God. He remembers how he used to make much of him. And in fellowship, like we are today, he led many others to celebrate him in his temple. So the psalmist, who now finds himself like a deer, panting for water that can't be found, and surrounded by people that's telling him he's in big trouble, while he empties himself through a veil of tears, 
He shouts, God, where are you? And then he remembers. The psalmist was in fellowship with other people who sought God. He was at the front of the line, eager to reach the house of God. He could not contain his excitement, and he found himself making a joyful noise. This man is used to praising the Lord with vigor. He was singing songs that made much of God. This man had seen and tasted and knew what it meant to be in the presence of God. So what? What does that mean for us? Well, the question I ask myself is, do you, Adam, do you know what it means to make much of God? I'm asking you today the question that I ask myself. Do you know what it means to be emotionally engaged with the living God? That's what he's talking about, right? Being emotionally bankrupt, thirsting and panting for God. Now, I know in many cases I'm preaching to the choir. Most of you are saved. I know that you've put your hope in Jesus. But the question still remains. The question is still on the table. Have you been in the presence of the Lord? We cannot hope to understand today what it means to pant for God, the living God, if we have not poured out our soul because of our poverty without Him. Let me repeat that. We cannot hope to understand today what it means to pant for God, the living God, if we have not poured out our soul because of our poverty without Him. If we cannot remember celebrating His presence in our life. What is it in your life today that is worth celebrating? Good job. That is a dead God, and it cannot meet the needs you have inside. A good education. That, too, is a dead God. It cannot meet the desires of your heart. Maybe it's all the friends that you have. I'm afraid that they, too, are dead gods if you put your hope in them. If you trust them to quench the thirst of your panting heart, you will find them lacking. Verse 5, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. He is my salvation and my God, and I will again praise Him. Restated, verse 5 says to us, Why am I mourning? Why am I consumed with my struggles and my longings? God is alive. I will make much of Him, for He is my deliverance and my God. In the midst of panting, in the midst of being run ragged by the enemy of his soul, the psalmist remembers what it means to be in the presence of God. After remembering seasons of celebrating God's presence, the psalmist now asks himself, Why am I mourning? 
And why am I so disturbed that I'm unable to think about anything else when in all reality, all I have in this world is my hope in God? So what is hope? What is hope? Hope, which also means to wait patiently, is an expectation or a belief that a desire will one day be met. But, but can a hope calm the fears of a man so preoccupied with his suffering that he's unable to think about anything else? Can hope help you when your body aches day and night? Can hope help you when you're going through a divorce or when you're trying to have children and you find yourself barren? or you've had a miscarriage, or you lost your life savings in the stock market. Run the gamut. We suffer. So hope, which means to wait patiently, is an expectation or a belief that a desire will one day be met. But can this hope calm the fears of a man so preoccupied with his suffering that he's unable to think about anything else? Can hope help us when we can't pay our bills? Will hope help us when we can't have a baby or when our husband is dead or when your marriage sucks? Fifteen months ago, I found myself lying on the floor in a friend's bedroom making plans to die. It was Thanksgiving Day, and while my wife and our friends ate and played games, I lay on the floor shivering, not from cold, but from a tormented heart and mind. The adversary of my soul had convinced me that I was without hope in the world. And as I lay there shaking with fear and grief, I came into the presence of God. And I heard his voice say, Be still and know that I am God. As we look at these verses, I wonder, has the psalmist found closure? If we look at the, the remainder of this psalm, we find out that he restates his agony, his pain. Again, he restates that he has hope in God. Psalm 43 continues the same prayer. The psalmist is suffering so much, all he can do is tell himself to hope in God. In this prayer, the psalmist doesn't find closure. We walk away from this passage not knowing if God ever freed him from the oppression that he was experiencing from his enemies. In this lifetime, you may never be freed from the pain that you experience. God may never give you a child. You may never get married. You may always struggle in your marriage. But the point is, 
there is hope in God. So did the psalmist have closure? Did I have closure? Will you have closure? Fifteen months ago, as I considered walking out into a blizzard and leaving my wife of almost six years and my baby and taking my life, the Lord said, Be still and know that I am God. I fell into one of the deepest sleeps I've known for years that night. I woke up with songs of praise in my heart. Did my circumstances change? No. Does my heart still feel broken more days than it feels whole? Yes. What changed that night? My perspective changed. My God is alive, and I am with hope in the world. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My God is alive, and my hope is in Him. Our present hurts and the uncertainty over what the future holds for our marriages, our jobs, our children, our empty wombs, our empty beds, create the constant need for hope. A fear of conflict, of people's opinions, of unresolved anger and bitterness, or of the fear of man, They bind us up emotionally and they create in us a longing for something better. So what brings hope in the midst of our suffering? I believe today that Psalm 42 tells us that being without hope is being in the world without God. My enemy says, where is your God? And I stand here today and I tell you, my God is alive and my hope is in Him. Do you have God in the world? And I don't mean are you a Christian. Do you have God in the world? Hope in God brings relief from our circumstances. doesn't bring closure, but I guarantee it will bring relief. Hope in God brings relief from our circumstances and an everlasting change in our perspective. Hope in God. If you have a piece of paper and a pen, I'd make a simple plea. Maybe write it down for posterity. Stick it in this page. Please take the time to read Psalm 42 again and pray through it. 
your prayer might look something like this. Father, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. But actually, God, I'm not sure that it does. Could you tell me why? I need hope in the world. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. God, I know I put my hope in Jesus, but a living God? I'm not sure I've experienced a living God. When shall I come and appear before you, God? When shall I see your face? Lord, I know my food has been tears day and night. I've experienced pain in my life. And I've got all these issues, Lord, and here they are, and I haven't found closure. Could you help me? You may never take them away, but I ask that you would change my perspective. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With glad shouts and songs of praise, Lord, I ask that you would give me such a heart. My heart's numb. Honestly, I just don't give a rip about the people around me. Most of the people in my church, I couldn't care less if they came or not. Lord, my heart's numb. Could you thaw it? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Lord, everything in my being was created to be in the presence of a living God. Show me if I've been worshipping a dead God. Show me if I've been putting my hopes in the things of this world. So could you pray through that prayer, that psalm this week? Ask God to show you what you're placing your hope in and ask Him to show you your dead, dead gods, your deepest pains and your greatest desires. Write them down. How does your perspective change? How does your perspective change when you remember that God is alive? Place your hope in Jesus. For He is a living God and you are not without God in the world. I'd like to ask the worship team to come back up. I'd also like uh, our prayer counselors to come to the front. If you've never placed your hope in Jesus for salvation and want the presence of God in your life, I beg of you, come forward. And let us pray and call out to God together.
If your heart is consumed today with feelings and emotions and circumstances that you cannot change, I beg of you, come forward. Let us pray together and call out together. The psalmist was in fellowship with other believers. I know we can get so busy that it's hard to make time for other people. I know it's hard to give our hearts to others. Maybe you're just in a space where you can't do it, but give your heart to God. Because you have hope and you're not without God in the world.